Hallelujah. We shall never be defeated. We shall never be defeated. Because God is the greatest power. And Lord, because you are the greatest power, it is in this moment that I'm asking you all that you continue to allow your power to permeate this place on today. Continue to let your power and your presence permeate this place on today. God, speak your word. God, surrender to you as your vessel for you to have your way in this place, oh God, for you to speak your word in this place, oh God, for you to release your power in this place, oh God, for you to heal your people in this place, oh God, for you to deliver your people in this place, oh God, for you to shift the atmosphere in this place, oh God, for you to change the trajectory of our lives in this place, oh God, for you to move us from glory to glory in this place. Scripture is verse 22, but I'm going to deal with the whole scripture as time permits. Amen. But before I do so, for those that entered into the sanctuary on this morning, you were given a piece of paper and a pen. 
And what I want you to do, what Holy Spirit admonished me to do, and even for those that may have to leave, I want you to do this before you walk out the door and give it to somebody you can trust to carry out these instructions for you later. But each and every one of those online, I want you to get a piece of paper, a physical piece of paper and a pen. And throughout the course of this sermon, I want you to write down every burden that's been weighing you down. Every fear, every hurt, every burden, every weight. Every and anything that you can think of that you need to get rid of because it's causing internal discord and external issues. I want you to write them down throughout the course of this sermon because at the end of this sermon, we're going to, as God has given the instruction, participate in getting rid of some things on today. Ah, come on. You know, sometimes we like to wait to the end of the year to do all of these nice cliches things. Let's not go into the new year with all this stuff. No, we're not going to go into another day. We're not waiting for a new year. God only knows if we even going to see a new year. So we're not going to carry these burdens another day. And even those that are home, when we get to the instructions, I want you to, whatever device you are watching us on today, that's going to be your altar today. Amen. So when we get to that portion of this message. Even our musicians, I want everybody to write down their burdens because the Lord has come to get release on today. Psalm 55 and 20. Uh, Psalm 55 in its entirety. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remained in the wilderness. Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in its midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him, but it was you, a man my equal, my companion and my acquaintance, who took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God and the throng. Let death seize them, let them go down alive unto hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me, evening and morning, and at noon. I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from that battle that was
was against me, for there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them. Even he who abides from of old, because they do not change, they do. therefore they do not fear of God. He has put forth his hand against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved, but you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. Amen. God's word is blessed. For my topic this morning, prayers for release in a rough season. Prayers for release in a rough season. Let John pray for me this morning. In this text, David finds himself in a place of despair due to undealt family drama and honestly the reaping of long past sins. King David is in this desperate place in the wilderness, running for his life. And at first glance, you feel some pity for David because you're like, wow, he is really in despair. And I'm not saying you shouldn't ever feel pity for somebody, but sometimes we can't join somebody's pity wagon when they are running and dealing with issues that they've actually caused themselves. We don't condemn them. We don't put them down. But we also don't hide the truth of the fact. The truth of the fact is that David is dealing with the reaping season, carrying the weight of what he did being sown back into his own life. Let me help you understand what I'm saying. David is in this place because his son Absalom and his friend Ahithophel are looking to destroy him. But it's not as if his son and his dear wise counselor is just angry with David for no good reason. David has done some things in his past. Yes, David, the man after God's own heart. Yes, David, that loved the Lord with all his being. Yes, that David, the one that everybody thought was nothing but the Lord sought to still anoint him to be the next king. Yes, that David committed some things in the presence of the Lord. Maybe you aren't clear on the story of David, so let me give you a little history on this morning. David, way back in 2 Samuel, around chapter 11 or 12, somewhere, starting around there, when he was supposed to be getting ready for war and doing the things that he should be as king, he was on his roof and happened to so glance across the way and see Bathsheba taking a bath on her roof. And they David was like, she is hot. Like, who is that? I, I just got to have her. His boys was like, nah, that's Uriah. Why, your general, your very own beloved. You can't, you can't do that, David. You know, he's close to you. And David was like, he ain't that close. I see what I want, and I'm going to go get her. So David went and laid with Bathsheba and got her pregnant. Lord, help us, Jesus. And not only did he get his friend's girl pregnant, I'm sorry, his friend's wife pregnant. David was so beside himself and wanted her so bad, he was like, well, let me get Uriah to go lay with her so that, you know, he can 
think that this is his baby. <laughs> and when Uriah was like, no, king, we in the middle of war. How be it unto me to go and lay with my wife when my men are out here in the field dying and fighting for our country? No, I can't go have the pleasure of being with my wife. So when that scheme didn't work, David's scheme to kill Uriah, and he was successful. He killed Uriah dead. <sighs> and Nathan, his servant, comes to him. In chapter 12. Because David, like some of us, tried to act like he didn't even do anything wrong. He committed these crimes and these sins against God and went on about his merry little way. <laughs> and his advisor, his spiritual advisor, Nathan, comes to him with the parable. And he says, David, let me ask you this question, God. What would you do? In this situation, what would the king decree to happen in this situation? See, Nathan knew enough to deal with David and his kingship because as king, he had to think outside of himself and his personal situations. And Nathan presents this parable to David. There's this man who had plenty, because David at this point had plenty of wives and concubines. So there was no, no need for him to take on Bathsheba. So Nathan says to him, what would you do in this situation? We have a gentleman who has plenty of whatever the animal was. I can't remember it right now, but he has plenty in his, in his keep. And he went and killed his neighbor and took the one that the neighbor had. And David was like, woe unto him. And, you know, he goes into this whole spiel and Nathan was like, hold up before you get beside yourself about this these two neighbors i'm really talking about you because now the lord is displeased with what you have done carrying out this thing and what he says to him in second samuel chapter 12 at the 10th verse he makes a he, he gives a prophetic word from the lord he says now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. And I will take your wives before you and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun, for you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. David in chapter, the, the 55th division of Psalm is dealing with this pain and this treachery, but really it is a prophetic fulfillment that was already spoken in his life. What do you do when the Lord releases a prophetic, help me Lord, a prophetic word of judgment against you and you operate in such a way that you forget that it was even spoken? Not only did David commit this sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, and Ahithophel, let me, let me backtrack a little bit so you can understand why Ahithophel had a problem with David. Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. So not only 
did you lay with my granddaughter, but you killed her husband. And you can't lie to me, David, and say somebody else did it or conspired it because I was your right hand, so I saw you with my own two eyes. Some of us are dealing with the consequences of our flesh and the consequences of our sins, and we are wondering why some people have issues with us. It's because they've seen us do some things with their own eyes. Maybe not in here. Maybe not somebody online. But as a universal body, we have gotten to a place where we have made the word of God in, in, in a sense nullified, not because the word of God doesn't have power, not because the power of God no longer exists, but the people have seen us do some things with their own eyes. And we try to move on as if nothing happened. But not only is Ahithophel upset with David because of what he's done with Bathsheba, his son Absalom is conspiring with Ahithophel to take David out because Absalom is beside himself with bitter and bitterness and rage because David, his father, failed to take some action on some family matters. If you read the story of Amnon, Amnon and Tamar, you will find that Tamar, who is the sister of Absalom and the half-sister of Amnon. Amnon was beside himself because the Bible says Tamar was a beautiful young woman who happened to be a virgin. And Amnon with, was beside himself with lust. And he wanted his half-sister. So his friend told him, hey, this is what you do. Have her, you know, make you some cakes and come in and ask her, you know, to be with you. So and I follow through with this wicked advice from a wicked friend. And his sister comes to feed him and he rapes her. Word gets to David and the father did nothing. Some of us are wandering in wilderness seasons because some things have transpired in our families and we did nothing. We knew it, we hid it, we covered it, we excused it, and then we acted as if nothing happened until reaping season came. And then we cried and we screamed and we were like, God, why in the world did this happen? And God was like, take a step back. And think about what you've done you know, sometimes when we become Christians and we start walking with the Lord, we only, we only want to think about operating the newness. And while there is a truth in that, while we are called to forget those things that are behind us, it does not mean the consequences are dead. It means that we don't walk in condemnation to those things because we have been forgiven and we have been cleansed. But the Bible also clearly says you will reap what you have sown. Just because Jesus has cleaned you up, just because you are living right now, it doesn't escape the fact and necessity that consequences still have to be dealt with. So in this scripture and this anguish that David is feeling, he is feeling this because of his own actions. Absalom was mad because for two years he sat and he waited for his daddy to avenge his sister and he did nothing so Absalom took it upon himself and killed Amnon and then he was like well since you couldn't be a father enough to take care of this family decision or this family issue you're not really worthy to be king and sometimes we are dealing with things in our in our in our in our personal lives because things that we didn't deal with in our family lives and we accept 
mixed signals. As a leader, God help me, as a leader, you cannot operate in a public way and not operate in, in, in a private way that glorifies God. You can't get before the people. You can't operate in titles. You can't operate in positions. You can't operate in things acting as if nothing in your private life has to be you have got to make sure that the authority that God has given you to stand in your private life, that you are operating in those things first so they don't bleed over in your public life. And David did not get that. David didn't get it. He said silence. And I said, I'm, I'm just going to take him out. I'm just giving y'all some history. I know it's a little heavy this morning, but 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 so, so Absalom and Ahithophel, the grandfather of Bathsheba, the brother of Tamar, have gotten together to take David out. So here it is, David is having a woe is me moment in his wilderness season. What struck me as strange, Pastor Timmy, at the beginning I said, David, where's your accountability? <laughs> Not saying you don't have a right to cry out to God because you're in pain. It's understandable, but where's your gratitude or where's your, where, where's your accountability? Because the truth of it is, David, because of what you did with Bathsheba, you should have been dead. You should have even made it to this position. But when you read back on that story, the Bible says instead of killing David, that he kicked that God took the life of the baby that him and Bathsheba have created. Can I just stop and say sometimes, sometimes we got to get to a place where we stop whining and complaining about where we are and give God thanks for the fact that he didn't kill us for some of the stuff that we did. We got to give thanks unto God that he spared our life. He spared David's life. David should have never even made it to this point, but because God graced him to get through his mess ups, God graced him to get past those situations, God graced him and forgave him, he is here. And let me just stop and say, some of us have experienced death of some things we gave birth to out of disobedience, and we are angry with God. And God is like, look, you don't need to be angry with me that I killed that thing. You ought to be grateful that I spared your life. That relationship happened not because it was birthed out of disobedience. That situation had to die because it was birthed out of disobedience. That decision you made had to die. That opportunity, that job, that resource, that business, some of those things had to die because you birthed them out of disobedience. And while they brought you pleasure for a moment, God is saying in this season, there are some things that I am killing because it is birthed out of disobedience, but I'm going to spare your very life. He spared his life. He spared his life. So, 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 David is in this wilderness. And he's like, God, he's crying out, God, hear me, God, hear me. Look at the grace of the text. You should have been dead. But you've been graced to still be in his presence. Is there anybody in the building that's glad that God didn't kill you because of your sin, but his grace carries you through? Is there anybody in the building that's glad that although you hated to see those people leave, you hated to see that situation die, you hated it. It hurts you that the opportunity slipped. It hurts you that the opportunity closed. It hurts you that those resources dried up. But is anybody glad? God, thank you for the thing, for killing the thing that I shouldn't have birthed in the first place, but 
don't deserve. Thank you for your grace. So David is in this space. And he's like, listen, 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 God. I know I got here because of my own deeds, but God, I still need you to listen to me. God, I know I'm here because of my own circumstances, because of my own doings, but I still need you to hear me. Somebody in this building, somebody online, if truth be told, you know you are in this space because of some things you didn't do or some things you did do. But God has graced you enough that he's still listening. He's still willing to listen to you. But the problem is you allow the enemy to shut your mouth because you shut your eyes and you shut your ears and God is saying on this morning I need you to open your mouth and pray for me to release you from the things that's been burdening you. Because the enemy will have you think, no, pray and ask God to free you from that. It's your fault. No, it don't matter if it's your fault. We serve a God who is forgiving and loving. And truth be told, some of us are going through things at the hands of others. And God is saying, still, lift up your voice. Sometimes we deal with things for a long period of time. And we get tired of asking God over and over because we're like, if he ain't do it, it is what it is. It's not going to happen. God said, no such thing. What is is what I called it to be. So if I called you to be healed, no matter how long you got to wait for it, you are healed. If I told you I was going to free your family member, it don't matter how long they're about, I'm still going to free them. Don't you dare close your mouth because things ain't moving the way you desire. Don't you dare close your mouth because your emotions got the best of you. Don't you dare close your mouth because the enemy is whispering things to you. Don't you dare close your mouth because your people acting like they lost their plumb mind. Don't you dare close your mouth because your kids acting crazy. Don't you dare close your mouth because you and your spouse ain't getting along. Don't you dare close your mouth because they gave you a picture at the job. Don't you dare close your mouth because the doctor gave you a report you don't like. Don't you dare close your mouth because people are against you. Don't you dare close your mouth because if you close your mouth and you don't open out and you don't cry you don't ask God for what you need. You can't get a release with a closed mouth. Come on. Come on. Jesus. Don't you dare close your mouth. Mm. So God. David is here. Let me hurry up. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Good time. Good time. Good time. Jesus. <laughs> here it is. David is in this space. And I could imagine. <sighs> Jesus. Jesus. My God. My God. My God. <sighs> Jesus. Help your people. All of the tragedy unfolds in 2 Samuel. And he had operating wisdom back then. He's given us some wisdom and the remedy in this 55th division of Psalm. And the first thing I want to say is acknowledge your desperation with belief that God will answer you. Acknowledge your desperation with belief that God will answer you. He opens up, he says, give ear to my prayer. Do not hide yourself and attend to me. David is making a plea for God's attention and making a trinity request due to the heaviness of anguish he is experiencing. My boy, David is in anguish. Could you imagine your son, your very beloved, the one, one of the people that you love above every and anyone else, and your best friend, the one who used to give you counsel, have teamed together to try to take 
you out. David is emotionally a wreck. And so he comes before the Lord in desperation. And he says, give ear to me. Meaning, Lord, open your ear to my prayer, God. Open your ear. Give an earnest understanding. Have earnest compassion upon me, oh God, and listen to my prayer. God, I know I did some things in, in the past that I, I don't have the right to be in your presence for. But God, here I am asking you, open your ear with a heart of compassion to me. And he says, not only open your ear, but don't hide yourself from me. God, I know I'm dirty, but don't hide yourself from me. God, I know I've done some things that I really shouldn't even be able to come into your presence, but don't hide yourself from me. God, I've done some things that you are displeased with me. Matter of fact, you even said through your servant that I despise you in this moment, but Danny, I'm sorry, don't hide yourself from me. Sometimes in Christianity, we think we can do whatever and say whatever and the presence of the Lord will linger with us, but we gotta be honest with ourselves and understand there comes a point where you gotta recognize when you have been dirty and when you need to be clean and you need to ask and petition the Lord, don't hide yourself from me, because if you hide yourself from me, I can't experience your presence. If you hide yourself from me, I can't experience your power. If you hide yourself from me, I can't experience your peace. If you hide yourself from me, I can't get your God. Don't hide. Don't hide. Don't, don't hide from me. And he says, attend to me. Attend to me, Lord. Attend to me. Come bring the healing that I need, God. Bring the deliverance that I need, God. Because I'm restless. Jesus. Some of us have been restless in our complaints. Jesus. Issue after issue Jesus. after issue. Problem after problem. And we're restless. We're restless in our hearts and our minds with complaints because we are overwhelmed uh, because of the anguish that we feel but we gotta know we have a father who is willing and able and desires to give his ear to us to give his presence to us to attend to the very issues of our lives I'm trying to hurry up here we we gotta acknowledge your desperation and, and you'll see that in verses uh, uh, uh one through six uh, uh i'm trying to get through but i hear you <laughs> i hear you god uh, some of us have some of us have acted desperate for the wrong people and the wrong things and we've been caught up in situations that only brought further destruction and we're like god what's going on and he said i told you to be desperate for me not desperate for him not desperate for her not desperate for the money not desperate for the title not desperate for the opportunity i said be for me. Is there anybody in this room or even online that could recognize I've been desperate for my own stuff. I've been, I've been desperate for the things in my flesh. I, I've been desperate for the connections with people. I, I've been desperate for the financial resources. I've been desperate for some things that don't got no power and I can't really do nothing for me. God, help me exchange the desperateness that I've had for everything else and help me to be desperate for you. God, because only you can change this thing. Only you can heal this thing. Only you can, hallelujah, deliver this thing. He was desperate. But he was desperate in the presence of the right person. Some of us got to cut some connections. 
because we open the door in desperation to the wrong people. And they're stealing things from us that they weren't supposed to have access to. Yes. My God. My God. Acknowledge your desperation with belief that God will answer you. He said, oh, that I would have wings like a dove. I will fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander afar off and remain in the wilderness. He was so distressed by the pain that he felt. Check this out. He was about to, or he made the proclamation, I'll be okay in the wilderness. Because maybe God in the wilderness, they won't find me. Maybe in the wilderness, God won't have to pay for what I've done. Maybe in the wilderness, oh God, I'll be safe. How desperate do you have to be to think that the wilderness is a safe place outside of the presence of God? Mm, my God. Lord, help me. Allow the presence of persecution to push you to dwell permanently in God and not your situation. Listen, we got to come to a place where we don't bury, as they would say, our face in the sand and in the midst of persecution, but we got to learn to bury our trust, heart, mind in the presence and power of God. We can't keep fleeing situations because we don't like dealing with confrontation. Jesus. We can't keep fleeing from situations because we don't want to look at ourselves. Jesus. We can't keep fleeing from situations because... We don't want to be accountable. My God. You want real release? You got to be accountable. Even in a rough season. And if you're in a rough season, have no fault on your own, you still got to deal with the situation. Because if you don't, the enemy will sow his lies and discords into your life. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. We got to know that God's grace covers us. Watch this in civil unrest, regardless of the cause. God's grace covers us in civil unrest. He says around verse 9 through 10, God is evilness and wickedness all in the city. He says, for I have seen violence and strife in the city day and night. They go around it on its walls. And it can be a trouble also in the midst of it. Can I just tell you what we are seeing and experiencing in our cities and our countries is not new to this land and it's not new to God. Not at all. Civil unrest because of racism, because of prejudice, because of sexism, because of socioeconomic disparities. This thing ain't new to, to this land. And it's not new to God. And we got to operate in a way that we don't get so distracted by the things that are going on that we forget or we lose hope in the God who covers in us in it all. I know we are all disappointed, not necessarily shocked, but disappointed in the verdict that happened this week. But unfair verdicts, again, is not new or uncommon to God. But here's the thing, as believers, we don't rest on the rule of the land. Yes. We rest in the ruler yes. of all lands. Yes. 
and that is God. And all of these verses from one to about 20, we see David just consistently pour out his issues, pour out his pains, pour out his problems, express to God what's going on. He even seemingly takes a moment to secretly talk to Absalom and, and Ahithophel because he's like, if it had been somebody who wasn't a friend, I'd be able to handle it. If, if it had been somebody else, I, I'd be able to handle these things, but it was you, a friend. It was you, the one that called me sissy and bro. It was you, the one that laid down next to me. It, it was you that I gave birth to. It was you that I had this covenant with. It was you that caused me this pain. It was you. My God. How do you handle the weight? of adversity from within your own household? How do you handle the weight of adversity in your own circle? How do you handle adversity within your own community, within your own church? We have a right to lay our petitions and prayers at the feet of the Lord. We have a right to make our case, so to say. But what we don't have the right to do is stay in the place of despair. And even David in this moment, he understood that because after he lifted up his complaints and after he said who it was that was after him, there comes a shift in the scripture in verse 16. He says, as for me, I will call upon my God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Some of us need to remind ourselves that the Lord hears my cry. That the Lord hears my petition, and he's going to save me. When is he going to do it? I don't know, but I know that he will. Some of us have to consistently call on, cry on, consistently with purpose, not just to make noise, not just to get it off our chest, but to consistently cry out unto God, God, I am in need of your release from this thing. God, I am in need of a change in this thing. God, I am in need for you to turn this around. God, I am in need of you to break this generational curse. God, I am in need for you to save my children. God, I am in need for you to shift this atmosphere. God, I am in need of you to even deal with me. God, I am in need. He, he takes, like he finally takes accountability in verse 16. He says, as for me, I will call upon God. I'm not going to sit in this place of desperation. I'm not going to sit in this place of despair. I'm not going to sit and keep pointing the fingers at what they're doing. But as for me, despite what they do, despite what I see, despite how I feel, despite how they turn on me, I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. I'm not going to continue to rehearse what they did. I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. I'm not going to sit and continue to ask questions or why in the world would they do this to me? The one who gave them love, the one who 
us are experiencing a rough season. And we have been speaking everything except calling upon the name of the Lord. We got to cry consistently with purpose. And then we got to cast our burdens on the Lord. We have to cast the lean. After all of his complaints, after all of his reminding of the treachery of everybody else. He said, you know what? I won't cast my burdens. I remind you, Jermaine, cast your burdens. I'm going to remind you, Levon, cast your burdens. You know, all this stuff happened to you is unfair, but you should cast your burdens. Terry, it might feel heavy, cast your burdens. For Haney, you might be like, God, why are we here again? Cast your burdens. He says, listen, cast your burden on the Lord and watch this. He shall sustain you. <laughs> you know, I was, I was studying this and I was like, God, I really don't know where you're going with this word on this morning. He brought this old song back to my mind. Or this phrase that we use. You know, no, it's old Baptist song. Uh, God is a burden bearer and a heavy, and a heavy load sharer. That's right. But I got to thinking about well, God, if you're a burden bearer and a heavy load sharer, why are we still so weighted down? We'll say that and we'll confess it, but we don't operate in it. God, I know you can't carry the, the burden, but I think I'm going to hold on to this just a little while. Because it makes me feel, you know, it, it, it makes me feel right to have a complaint. And God was like, are you trying to be right and have a complaint? Or are you trying to be righteous and live for me? Mm, my God. We got to learn how to cast our burdens because he's going to sustain you. He's going to sustain you. I know the sickness is overwhelming, but he's going to sustain you. I know the betrayal is stinging and tearing your heart apart, but he's going to sustain you. I know the consequences of poor decisions are tearing your life apart, but he's going to sustain you. Psalms 18 and 35 says it like this. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up, and your gentleness has made me great. You want release in this rough season? You gotta cast your burdens and trust. He's gonna sustain you. He's gonna provide for you everything that you stand in need of. He's gonna open every single door that you need. He's going to heal that brokenness. He's gonna restore that family. He's going to do what you stand in need of, but he can't do it if you're holding on to it. You gotta cast it, knowing he will sustain you. He's going to keep you. He's going to cover you. He's going to uphold you. Because why she says, he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Never. There is nothing in no one that can ever move you from the, the, the placement and the providential care that you have in God's presence. No one. Oh, he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. 
you got to cast and trust. And I know this wasn't a shouting sermon. I didn't give you all these heavy points, right? Because really God wanted me to give a teachable moment because the move is in this next operation that we're going to do. That was clear to me. I said, God, I'll teach and I'll say and I'll share. But the move and the release is going to come. And you all have to participate. So if you're in the building or if you're at home, when I began, I said, write down your burdens on that sheet of paper. So if you haven't done so, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that now. Write down your burdens. Write down your cares. Write down your hurts. Write down the things that's been weighing you down. Write your burdens down. Even you minister the music, write your burdens down. Write your problems down. Write your pains down. Don't fold them, just write it down. Write down the lies the enemy has been speaking to you to hold you back. Write down. Write down the situation you experienced that's been plaguing you. Write it down. Write down the sins you haven't forgiven yourself for. Write down. Write down the betrayals. Write down the fears. Write down the doubts. Write it down. Even at home, on a piece of paper, write it down. Because I believe when we entered into this space on this morning, God had already inclined his ear to us. The Spirit of the Lord met us on this morning when we walked through the door. Write it down. Because it's been a rough season. Not just because of COVID. If we could be real, COVID was the least of some of our issues. Hmm. We were dealing with some personal things that far outweighed the weight of COVID. That was a corporate issue. But we've been doing and going through some personal things that's been heavy for quite a while. And I want everybody to write them down. The sicknesses you're dealing with, write it down. The broken relationships, write them down. Write them down, write them down, write it down. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Mm. And if you've written it down, what I want you to do, everybody, who's going to believe God today? together for the release of the things that's been binding us, not just in this season, but in our lives. I want everybody to come to the altar. For those that are watching us online, I remember at the beginning I said to you, whatever device you are watching us on, that is your altar. And so I want everybody to do. I want you to get that paper and come to the altar. And as you come, I want you to really believe in your heart and mind. You can come in and I want you to really believe in your heart and your mind. 
And I promise I'm gonna clean this up because it is not not a, a simple gesture we gonna do. But as you come to the altar, I want you to rip the paper. Rip it. Rip it and then cast it. Rip it and cast it. Because in this atmosphere, now I want y'all to do it nice. No, 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 no. no. We're not, we're not gonna let it just fall, right? Because casting means to violently throw it away. So I need you to have an attitude, even at home. I need you to get an attitude with the burdens that's been weighing you down, the issues that the enemy has been lying to you about. And I want you to rip it and cast it. I want you to throw it away because this is our symbolic gesture that we are tired of carrying these things and that we believe the Lord for release in this atmosphere on this morning. God, we believe you to release us of these burdens. God, we come to the altar. God, casting these burdens at your feet, casting these problems, casting these issues, casting these burdens, casting these problems, casting these pains, God, and we believe you for release, 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 release. I need you to open your mouth and ask God to release, release the pain, release the hurt, release the fear, release the doubt, release, 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 God. We need release in this place on today, God. We need release, God, release, release, release. We're tired of being weighed down. We're tired of crying in despair. We cry out in expectation, God. Release, 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 release the rape, release the molestation, release the betrayal, release the sickness, release the sin, release the unforgiveness, release the anger, release, oh God, the hurt, release, release, release. God, we need release in this place all today. Release it, God, release, release. God, we come casting everything at your feet. We cast our children at your feet. We cast our marriages at your feet. We cast our bodies at your feet. We cast our sicknesses at your feet. Release, God, release, release healing as we cast, God. Release expectation as 